Welcome to Decoding Superhuman. This show is a deep dive into obsessions with health, performance, and how to elevate the human experience. I explore the latest tools, science, and technology with experts in various fields of human optimization. This is your host, Boomer Anderson. Enjoy the journey. My guest today is Richard Achevez. And if there's three people over the past, let's call it two years, that have had an impact on my movement practice, it's Richard, Julian Pinot, and Dr. Ed Caddy. And all of these people have had impact in various ways with how I look at movement for specifically mental performance, as well as physical performance. So today, Richard comes on the podcast to talk about something called movement ayahuasca, But before we get into that, we talk about his development as a trainer and a person himself. We get into various things about training that can help with mental performance. And for all of you focus gurus out there, you're going to want to tune in for that. And we close things off with that practice that Richard has called movement ayahuasca. And I went through something very similar to that myself which left me in a bit of a funk right afterwards, but allowed me to perform mentally much better in the next several days. You're going to want to check out the show notes for this one. It's decodingsuperhuman.com slash Richard. Right now, I'm a co-founder in or running about six different companies. That means I have a hell of a lot of email addresses and I get a hell of a lot of electronic mail. And so how do I manage it all? How do I manage it with a memory that is almost akin to my ex-girlfriend's Jewish grandmother? My favorite program is Superhuman. Superhuman allows me to manage these emails with ease. I can set timers for when I send something. I could simply archive it to get it out of my way. And I can remind myself to come back to an email later. It allows me to stay at inbox zero in every single one of those email addresses every single day. If you want to try this, if you want to really get on top of your email, I encourage you to head on over to the show notes of this episode and click on the link. Superhuman is by referral only, but we'll be able to get you in there. So check it out and let's get back to the show. Richard, welcome. How's it going? All right. So... This is the first conversation we've had in a while that didn't involve bourbon, barbecue, or a few other things. Right. And first time you, second time you're on the podcast, but first time solo. Right. Um, I'm going to record all these intros and talk about your crazy life story and all this amazing (laughs) stuff separately. But I want to get a little bit into, you know, this framework that you're developing. Yeah. or have developed, and I know everything's in evolution, um, the Barracuda way. Yeah. Tell me what that means, because like I've been chased by a Barracuda freediving. It's terrifying. It is terrifying. Uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, they're, they're apparently harmless, I was told later, but right. it's kind of terrifying to have the damn thing, you know. Unless um, you have something shiny, come, they will fuck you up. Yeah. Yeah, they, they can <laughs> fuck you up. <laughs> and, um, you know, I've, I've had the pleasure of training with you and you can fuck me up too. Um, so let's talk a little bit about the Barracuda way. What does that actually mean? Yeah. So my Instagram handle is rare Barracuda. Um, I found, I was diving in Cozumel, found a Barracuda. There's something so glorious about a Barracuda because they can fuck you up, but they're kind of harmless unless they see something shiny you know, it's, it's a, it's a wild ride, you know, when you see them, cause they're, they're scary looking, um, mm-hmm. and they can get very big. And the, I kind of created rare Barracuda cause I saw a very big one when I was diving in Cozumel, um, and thought nothing of it. And as the years kept coming, people always asked me like, why that Instagram handle just sounds weird. And I was like, well, it just rolls nicely off the tongue. I just like how it sounds. Um, and you know, fast forward to 12 years, I think it's been, uh, 10 years, whenever Instagram came out and I started to 
create kind of like this identity around it, right? Like it, it was it was interesting. I was in London and somebody recognized me as Rare Barracuda because they heard me from a podcast. Um, and that, for me, that was just like mind blowing. I was like, I've yeah. made it, you know, I'm a rock star. <laughs> um, and so I just kind of created this, this identity around it. And in the last six months or so, I started to create the Barracuda way. Um, mm-hmm. I'm very unconventional in my approach to fitness and movement. Um, I choose to be educated in, you know, the methods that are out there, the principles that are guided by it, but I'm not going to teach anything that's outside of my intuition. And so if I haven't experienced it, if I haven't tried it, um, I won't really put people through it because I don't think that that's a, I don't think it's a fair way. And I don't know how to deliver that message correctly. Um, so we were sitting in my, in my living room in, in, in Amsterdam with my wife and I, and, you know, I was so stubborn. I'm, I'm a very stubborn person as well. Um, asking about, I just, I like the sound of the Barracuda way because I'm rare Barracuda and it's the Barracuda way. And she goes, but why? Like, it doesn't make sense of fish and fitness and movement and, you know, emotional. And I was like, well, let's look up what the Barracuda means. And the first page that comes up, it goes, you know, uh, the Barracuda as your spirit animal. And it goes, get ready to take a walk on the wild side. Um, the Barracuda is going to teach you strength. It's going to teach you courage. It's going to teach you patience. And it's going to show you things that you might not be ready to see. Uh, but soon enough, you will be able to understand how to act on them. And I was like, Whoa! and I was, I had, I was having some wine at the time, but I was like, mm-hmm. every time I work with a client, like that's kind of their expression of what it is like to be with me because I'm not yep. your normal, you know, fitness trainer or, you know, health guru. That's me like, you're not going to drink and you're going to eat only peas and pies. And you're going to have, you know, like you're going to count your macros. I'm like, no, like the whole point is I want to create a lifestyle that you enjoy. I want to be able to have you go do the shit that scares you, but be excited about it rather than terrified. I want you to be able to go out with friends and have drinks and, you know, have a little bit of excess, but then understand how to come back to a balanced lifestyle and how not to go overboard, but, you know, still be able to take the pleasures of life and, take the hardships and, and, and be able to have a different perception on, on your outlook on life, right. And just be able to have a great perception of what your life is. Um, mm-hmm. and that's just kind of how the Barracuda way kind of build and formed is this beautiful culmination of, you know, taking movement and truly applying it for quick and rapid changes in behavior, uh, mm-hmm. being able to, deal and handle stress and, you know, blockades in your life, being able to truly enjoy the special moments that you have in life rather than thinking about the future or the past, uh, being able to strategize correctly as to how to take action forward. Um, It all comes down to starting with movement, you know, dealing with the mindset, going into your emotional blockades that you have. And then I I call it spirituality, which I know is maybe not the right word, but dealing with your spiritual, yeah, you know, dealing with your spiritual self and, and just really being able to form the identity that you've always wanted to express outward. Mm -hmm. And so that's the Barracuda way (laughs) in a nutshell. (laughs) Man, that's a, that's beautiful. It's a beautiful summary. Now I I get the pleasure of unpacking this. So, um, all right. So I want to unpack this with you because you mentioned a number of different things here, uh, expressing identity, spirituality, strategy, uh, you know, energy, all of these beautiful things. And some people may be listening to this and saying like, hey, dude, you know, I, I do my three, three by tens at the gym. I have chest day, back day, et cetera. Um, I don't understand how all of this stuff kind of comes together in movement and right. why movement is the mechanism that Richard's using. Uh, maybe before we get to the why, I'd love to understand like how you came to this framework and realized that movement is much more than just the six pack abs and being able to run a six minute mile or whatever you choose to do. Yeah. Uh, because that whole mental component of it is not necessarily something that people think about. And so I'd love to just hear how you kind of arrived at Right. So before all of the fancy science, it's out. I mean, there's a lot of science out there, right? The body keeps the score, talks about it, somatic therapy. You have the neuroscience, the observation, the prediction, the narrative brain, and how the body communicates subconsciously to the brain and all these signals are being put through. 
but before all of that, I trained a lot. <laughs> I mean, I moved a lot and I used to be very strong. So I was in powerlifting. I was in CrossFit, uh, functional fitness, rock climbing, mountaineering. Um, I've done a lot and I've always noticed that it wasn't my mindset. My mindset helped in how I approached the exercises, but it was how my body was feeling that allowed the behavior and the expression of the movement to be done correctly. Um, you know, and, and, and it's a very simple thought experiment. Go when you're extremely sad or depressed and go do back squats. There's going to be some timidness to approach it, right? And let's not say, you know, it doesn't need to be back squats, but, you know, whatever exercise you want it to do, it's a byproduct anyways. Uh, the expressions will be very different. The way that you approach the exercise, um, you know, the way that the, the, the exercise is executed. And if you are trying to mentally force yourself to do a movement the body doesn't want to do, I started to notice that there would be a displacement of tension or that muscles that weren't supposed to be doing the exercises started to do the exercise. Mm -hmm. And that's when I would notice a shift in personality and behavior. Um, and it was, it was very interesting uh, you know, that then later came the, you know, Willem Reich and the muscle armoring concept of things. And, and, you know, a little bit of the, the body keeps the score and the somatic therapy and the Taoist view of things, but I started to understand that. And so as, as we started to kind of, you know, evolve this idea, I would move a lot. And I started to notice emotions come up based on the true connection that I could make or the biggest neural output I could get with muscles. And, you know, the right type of breathing and the right awareness. And so the mindset was always the last thing, because when you truly calm the mind and let the body speak to you, you're able to see the changes that need to happen. And so, you know, I, I hope that kind of answer. It's, it's a hard, hard question to answer. Right. Uh, but yeah. I've experienced it. And, and, you know, I, if you look at me and, and if you go back and look at my pictures and the way I talk and, and, you know, if we ever hang out, like, you know, I, I, I'm not a bro, but you know, like I'm just, a, I just enjoy life. Like I'm not a spiritual, like we need to meditate for 30 minutes a day. And, and, you know, like, I don't, I'm not, in, I'm not in either extremes. Like I'm, I'm, I'm just me. Um, but you would look at me and you would never think about, dude, this guy wants to talk about emotions and wants to cry on my shoulder. And, you know, I'm, 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 I, I'm very much in connection with my, with my feminine side. And so mm -hmm. when I started having these experiences, you just can't negate them. You know what I mean? And you're, and so I started to have these experiences and I got to work with people around the world. And I started to notice a pattern of the same behavioral traits, the same type of traumas based on muscles that I was activating and afferent muscles that I was seeing um, as centralized points of discomfort. Yeah. And so when people were having shoulder pain, based on where that shoulder pain was, allowed me to see a glimpse into their life of past traumas or behavioral traits of inaction, right? So if you're over-socializing and you're starting to feel overwhelmed by, if, if you have been over-socializing and you have an event coming up, you're going to notice that the pain is down in between your shoulder blades. Okay. As it starts to get closer and you start to actually go to that socializing state, you're going to start to be in the middle part of the shoulder. So the neck just starts to feel super tight. And then once you're done, if you still have to go socialize again, it'll start to go towards the high neck. And so I just started to notice like these really trippy things that every time I would put them on somebody, it would come true. Like it, not that I would make it a reality because I wouldn't put expectations on them, but I would just ask questions and they would, they would, they would respond. And so that philosophy for me came, it makes sense. You know, we have kind of like this, this principle that the body communicates to the brain, right? And the brain, brain sends signals as to how to react. Mm -hmm. And so it, it, it makes absolute sense that if certain muscles are turning on or turning off, it's sending signals to the brain. We just don't know how to hear them. Or we choose to turn them off because we're being forced into situations like having to go into the office every day or meetings with the boss or staying quiet while you're having a, an argument with your wife. You know what I mean? Like things like this or your partner, um, you know, so we, we, we choose to not listen to these signals. 
And so I've gotten, I'm getting better and better and better. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm always extremely humbled because I'm constantly learning and evolving these techniques that I've gotten very good at being able to see how behavioral traits lead to movement first. Proper activation of muscles lead to change in behavior and surpassing trauma, fears, so on and so forth. All right. So I've had the pleasure of both working with you and just getting to know you as a person. And uh, again, reiterating here, one of the things that I love is that you're constantly in this state of uh, willingness to learn and be open to new ideas and everything. Yeah. Uh, For people that are listening to this and are saying, you know, hey, what does it look like when I come into a gym with Richard? Like, what is that actually? Because I imagine the moment that I walked in the door down here in Damon, like you're yeah. like, oh shit, that guy has issues with his ladder, whatever. Right? <laughs> um, no, I so, don't judge. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, when you're when you walk into a, a session with you, like, how does how does the um, evaluation process look? What are you what are you looking for? I know you mentioned certain things around social anxiety, but take us through like how you not break down a client, but assess them in order to kind of make progress or know where to go to make progress. Yeah. And, and, uh, you know, the first thing I do is I make it up as I go along. I don't have a system. (laughs) All I know. But by the way, guys, like it fucking works. Yeah. (laughs) Because if I have a system, that means that I can only work with a certain character type of person. Um, and I work with whoever walks in that door. And, and, and so for me, it's, it, it requires a lot of energy on my part and it's not easy because I have to be on fire as soon as that person walks in the door. Right. I may have a person like you, that's kind of wanting to have the experience, but also wants to understand the why and wants, you know, there, there's a whole, there's more conversation. And then we kind of bring it back to have you have the experience where it's like, what the fuck just happened? Um, And then there's clients that are just, dude, my back hurts. Just take back pain away and I'm happy. Don't explain to me what, just tell me how to breathe, how to move, what I'm looking for. And I allow them to to learn their lessons within that. Um, But yeah, the first thing is there is no actual system to what I do. I, I connect with the human that's in front of me. So whether that person is high stress, whether that person is low, low energy level depressed, whether that person is fucking happy, go lucky, uh, you know, that person came in and has had a very rough night because couldn't sleep because of the baby or, you know, God and whatever it is, my job as a coach, as a providing of a service to you is to meet you where you are. And then from there, elevate you to where you want to be. So I'm not here to judge. I'm not here, you know, and it, I'm not here to set precedents uh, to make you feel like you don't have anything that works in your body. I'm here to show you what does work. And if you want things to work better, this is how we can go. But it's it's up to my client to understand where they want to be, right? I'm a navigator. I'm not the captain. You're the captain. And, 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 and that's the first thing I always tell people, I'm like, what do you want out of this? Like, I, I'm not, you know, I'm not inexpensive. I'm accessible. Um, but, but I require a lot of buy-in from my clients because I want you to get what you want. You are the fucking captain and I will show you roads that you can take, but in the end, you know, it's, what do you want? And from there, it's up to me to set my side of the expectations and to meet them. And so you want this, then let's figure out how to get there, whatever that is. Right. Um, and if I can't meet them, I'm always very honest. I'm like, ah. so Richard, I, I want to just unpack this for a second. Cause yeah. I do some amount of consulting, but not really in the movement side of things, maybe more on like the health data side. And I'm always curious what percentage of your clients come in with, let's say maybe an aesthetic goal or some other goal, but that goal evolves over time. Like once they get to whatever that goal is or feel even just the slightest inkling that that goes within reach, like how quickly does that evolve in most cases? I think I've never positioned myself as an aesthetic coach. Um, So I don't get that many of those clients. I have clients that are overweight, but don't come to me for weight change. They come to me for behavioral change. 
or because of massive amount of inflammation in joints and, and pain. So just wanting to get out of discomfort. But I get, I, I would say I get, you know, 50-50 on 50% of clients that come for getting out of discomfort. So whether that's, you know, the shoulder has been hurting, you're the last road, you know, you're like the last stop before I have to go get surgery or, you know, uh, that type of, of pain, or I want to be able to compete in this sport, but this is stopping me. This is my roadblock, which is usually discomfort after training, during training, I can't get out of bed type thing. And half of my clients usually come to me because they're like, Hey, I just, you know, I, I, I need, I need a navigator. I think I've sort of positioned myself in that a little bit more, especially with podcasts that I've done. And, and every time I, I, I have these conversations, it's like, we need to understand that there's so much more that we're doing as coaches and so much more that I do with my clients with that 50% of people that come movement related or, you know, discomfort pain related, I would say about 35% of those start going, Whoa, what is happening here? Because now I'm starting to have a different perception on life. And then we yeah. kind of start to get into the emotional side, but I won't bring the emotional side if you don't want to get there because there's people that, you know, they're not there. They're not ready for it, <laughs> you know? So that's, that's the percentage I would say. When, when you and I, and I remember this conversation and our kind of work together because right before Thanksgiving and you and I were sharing a love of Turkey and how we couldn't get it here in the Netherlands. Right. But um, a lot of people listening to this and just a lot of people in the world uh, have issues with anxiety. Right. And um, it's something that is becoming, thank God, a lot easier to talk about publicly. Right. And I know for a fact, you and I had a conversation around that and you kind of work with people. Uh, I know you do work with people in this state and sort of overcoming or learning to live with it and maybe uh, manage it a little bit better. Right. Is there sort of a particular movement archetype that these people have, or maybe somebody listening to this can say like, Hey, that's interesting. I noticed that in my movement patterns, maybe I have a a discussion here that I can have with Richard because of my anxiety. Um, or is it generally like, Hey, I'm anxious and therefore I need to do this. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, and there's a, there's a complexity to anxiety, right? Um, and, yeah, and anxiety I just symptoms. Gave you the most disorders, complex, but, yeah. I gave you the most complex thing to do. And, and the one that everybody's like, you're on the like, spot, the, man. Yeah. You're on the spot. Um, listen, for me, the, 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 the one that's helped a lot, right, is always breath work. Um, I think that the breath work is amazing and it, 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 it covers up to so much. Uh, movement wise, I think the psoas major on the left side and the right calf are probably about the most important ones that I've dealt with um, when talking about clients that have anxiety or are thinking too much into the future, right? And so again, it depends on your symptom of anxiety and, and kind of what you're looking at when it comes to up to anxiety. But the the biggest overall thing that I see when dealing with, you know, kind of cognitive anxiety, uh, PTSD, more towards social anxiety is a lack of connection to self. So if you don't have a connection to self, how do you expect to connect to the outside world? A lack of presence and lack of being present with the outside world because you don't have a connection with yourself. And that's my philosophy. Um, and maybe other people have said it before me, but you know, that's, that's the way I look at it. And they have a hard time making decisions because there's so many options out there, right? And so for me, the left psoas major, creating awareness there, you know, going into Eastern methods, into Eastern philosophy, the three chakras that connect there, the true sense of self is there. For me, the the true connection to self, the seed of self is going to be between there and the transverse abdominis. But the psoas major really allows you to find empathy within self. And so if you can spend, and I have videos up on my Instagram and, and, you know, I can send you the links if you want for people. If you can just spend 10 minutes a day with breath work along with connection of the muscle. So not just breathing, but breathing while connecting and creating tension in the muscle. I think that it won't be a night and day difference, right? It just depends. It's it's not a, this exercise is going to fix me again. I'm a navigator. You're going to fix yourself 
by using the tool of the exercise. But if you're just doing the exercise and moving the leg, expecting changes, it's not going to happen. Being able to be mindful for those 10 minutes, creating awareness in that muscle and breathing along with it. And so we can, we can dive in and it, you know, it might be easier just to kind of put that, I'll send you the link so people can kind of click on it and just go through that, through that video if they want to choose to do that exercise. But for me, the left psoas major is really the, I think it's the seed of self. It's, it's where your true identity lies because it's, 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 you know, when we look at, when I look at the body, the left side is the feminine side, but the psoas major is where the true empathy towards self comes in. It's where you're really allowing yourself to show your, show softness and kindness to yourself, which I think so many people nowadays lack. So that would be the first one. The second one is the right calf. And I choose the right calf. Uh, for me, both calves are the pensive muscles. That's why when you start to get in heated arguments, or if you're ever just sitting down and you start to like twitch your leg, you'll start to notice if you pay attention. I don't, I don't know if I mentioned it with you last time or not, but on the left side, whenever you start to go like this, it's usually you start thinking about the self. And when you start to go with it on the right side, it's usually towards the outside environment, towards uh, an argument, things like this. If you're ever on a phone or that's why like some people love to do meetings while they're walking with clients is because the calf muscles start to really ground yourself and it starts to kind of get blood flowing through the whole body. But the calf muscles are the efferent, the action side of thinking. When it comes to health technology, I switch things up quite often. In fact, it's rare that I have anything that lasts more than a couple of months in my stack. The exception really has been the V-Lite. And I've started with the V-Lite numerous years ago, actually, and we've had Lou Lim on the podcast before. And the Neuro Alpha continues to be one of my favorite methods to really just unwinding and switching off at the end of the day. If you want to try the Neuro Alpha, the Neuro Duo, or whatever else V-Lite has going on these days, and they've got a lot of cool things in the R&D department. You can head on over to vlight.com, that's V-I-E-L-I-G-H-T, and use the code BOOMER, and you're going to get 10% off, which will save you quite a bit of money on one of these things. vlight.com and coupon code BOOMER. So I can get people to actually relax their neck just by activating their calves correctly. Interesting. It's crazy. And so the, the right calf muscle for me, if I'm able to connect the right calf muscle, I'm, I, I've noticed with clients that I've had that have finals coming up or that have, you know, crazy meetings are able to hone in on all these different options and all these different scenarios that you're playing in your head. You're able to hone in on the one you want to take. So it allows you to create a road, a, a roadmap forward that's direct, not going, well, shit, there's 10 different options. And I kind of like two, but I don't like three, but I like four, but now I just thought of five more. And now there's too many. So I'm just not going to do any of them. So for me, every time I'm having these issues, like I'll literally just start to create tension, right? So it's not just about moving the calf, really try and focus on making it warm, on creating that hard contraction, on feeling that muscle. And you're going to start, that it'll start to go all the way up to the head and your mind and your train of thought will become a lot more direct. Wow. So by activating, and my initial question was going to be like, what do you mean by creating tension? You explained tension. creating tension, right? Yeah. Um, but it's it, fascinating to me that the calf is really, it just sounds like a key to presence in many ways. And mm -hmm. so, but it all starts with an awareness of the actual muscle that you're moving, right? So exactly. rather than being the bro that's doing three by 10 and just checking the box on the weights, it's feeling the movement. So when you're at giving people a homework exercise, it's feeling yourself move feeling yourself move. Yeah. Okay. So when you're giving people homework exercises, are you giving sets and reps? Or are you giving something completely different? Depends on the I personality type. You know the answer. <laughs> <laughs> right. If, if I have a very type A person, I'll give them a range uh, that I'm looking for. Um, but I also like to challenge people. So I just give them muscles. Sometimes I'll just give people muscles. Sometimes I give them exercises. Um, it won't necessarily be sets and reps. Um, you know, cause if, if I'm looking, you know, if we're going back to this archetype of anxious person, um, if I give them sets and reps, they could be in their board meeting, they could be trading their Bitcoin. They can be going to the 
you know, meeting with their kids, teachers, and, you know, thinking of everything while they're moving the weights and they're never truly present. So the first thing that I want to do is create presence when they're training. And so for me, my favorite go-to is always being able to use a song with a repetitive word, just because it's a very simple facet. I know. Yeah, you crush me. And you still like I still use the songs quite often. I yeah. think we'll link to your playlist on Spotify. Yeah, I think it's it's a simple way for people to, if you're not sure what you're gonna do, pick five exercises, put on these repetitive songs. That, and every time you hear the phrase or the word, you do a rep. And what that does is it creates uncertainty, which makes the the mindset a lot more elevated because you're having to listen and be present. Um, it creates random variables. So you're a having to do an isometric hold where you're able to explore and find the muscle that I want you to connect with and then create awareness to. Um, and you don't really know where you're going to go. Right. So I always tell people the goal is more than likely you should not be able to su- survive the whole song. That's not the point to finish the whole song without a failed rep. The point is to have the muscle fail so that we expose it to new stress. Because if I, you know, for example, like if I'm doing a bench press, right, and I'm just surviving, I could put all the stress on my neck or the joint to survive the song and finish it. But the goal is to make the pec fail so that there's an abundance of blood flow. There's a higher neural output. And, you know, I always think in cartoon. So I always think of the pecs like screaming like, boys, we need reinforcements, right? And so they start to actually create more and awareness. that's what you and mean by neural get, output. Right? Exactly. Like Okay. The, the capacity to contract the muscle, right? And to bring it to, to a fight, to, to be able to sustain more stress. So the, the problem with sets and reps, especially with type A or more anxious people, is A, they will never go towards the lesser reps because they're overachievers. And B, they're very good at enduring and being very, very hard with themselves, So if I have a type A personality with high anxiety that can run 50K at a a whim because I said, go run 50K, they're like, I'm going to show you that I can and I'll do 51. Thank you very much. Um, They could use any muscle, right? They can use the joints. They will finish that, that lot that they will cross that finish line and be destroyed inflammation through the roof, rhabdo, um, you know, all the symptoms of just a deteriorated body, but they'll be like, but I did my 50 kilometers. That's not the goal that I want. What I want is I want you to understand what it takes to run 50 kilometers the correct way and build up to it. So that when you have the 100K race, you understand when you're displacing or when you're going, you know, kind of towards that discomfort and, and creating pain to your body. But, you know, we can still finish. And so for me, the, 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 the real goal here is longevity in life. You know, and that's physically, mentally, emotionally. And so they all require you to have a proper exposure to stress, but it requires you going out and searching for a new perspective on fitness and on movement than just checking the boxes or, you know, accomplishing the tasks because there's a lot of people out there, you know, my wife being one of them, that are very good at completing tasks. And mm-hmm. so no matter what they'll endure and they'll, you know, they'll go through hell and high water to survive the task to say, well, I did what you told me to, but my shoulder still hurts. So I need to be very careful on the words that I use in order for them to understand that it's not about the repetitions. It's not about the sets. It's not about what you see of the range of motion that the bench press, like with, you know, functional fitness or with weightlifting, it's not a set range of motion that has been defined by a cadaver joint movement. It's not a set definition of range of motion that has been designed by a competition. It's the range of motion where the muscle can still maintain the proper tension or the proper contraction, right? So very simple. If I put my hand right next to my sternum, because it's something that anybody can do, even if they're listening at home, if you take your right hand and you put it next to your sternum and you squeeze your pec, right? Kind of lower towards the nipple and you feel the chest actually engaging. And as you start to inhale through your nose and you push or you put your arm further and further away from you, try to straighten it out, you're going to go towards your end range of motion. That's your true mobility of your shoulder joint while having the proper tension or the proper contraction of the pec and the teres major. Anything past that 
you're having to displace the tension to survive the exercise. So now mm -hmm. you could be going towards your upper trap. You could go towards your mid trap. You know, you can go towards your side delt. And then we still go to the supraspinatus, which is a little small stabilizing muscle. Because we're deciding to survive the exercise, that's where we start to see long-term injury discomfort starting to come about in the shoulder, which can then also start to lead towards anxiety. Even though we think that it's anxiety towards a movement, it starts to relate towards anxiety, social anxiety. It starts to relate towards anxiety in the workplace. It starts to relate towards becoming more type A. Why? Because the body is an observational piece. If it feels threatened, it needs to protect itself. If it needs to protect itself, it sends signals to the brain so that it, the brain can start to make all these different predictions so that you don't take action. So now what turned out to be anxiety towards bench press because I'm going to hurt my shoulder is now anxiety towards being social. Now it's anxiety towards having more ritualistic behaviors and making sure that everything is one, two, three, four, five, because that's how I'm not going to get hurt. So that's how the body starts to speak to the brain. So that's why, you know, this huge rise and this huge revolution in fitness and functional fitness and people wanting to do marathons, triathlons, Ironmans starts to create discomfort in the body. The brain wants to be stronger. We want the brain to control everything. So we, don't, we choose to not listen to this. We choose manual therapy or passive therapies to get rid of the discomfort, which is really the body telling you you're going to get hurt. Now it starts to lead towards change in behavior in work and family and everything that you do outside of the gym. Wow. Sorry, I went off All on right. a rant there, but that was no, no, good. no, no, but it that, that was absolutely, it's absolutely beautiful. <laughs> um, I, I mean, it, there are so many places that I can take it. And at one point I was like, wow, okay, so that makes sense why people always, you know, you hear a lot of some, not a lot, but you hear certain people, I think Kelly Starrett said like the bench press is, Kelly start is like the bench press is like the worst exercise, but in reality, and it's Joe just Rogan because too. I was so mad. Yeah. They, yeah. They, don't, and they have the wrong I, parameters for the bench press. Yeah. And so it's just a matter and something I've heard you say before, it's more about tension over position. Is that the, yeah. the quote? Yeah. So okay. tension over position. And it's, it, 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 again, it's creating your own, your own guidelines, right? I mean, it's being able to understand what you want out of the bench press. The problem is that bench press in the 19, what was it, 1940s, 1950s, 1960s became a competition. Yeah. And that's what set how people should bench press from there on. And but so you're a power lifter, man. Like, I, like I've trained with the West Side guys. So, like, I've had one of them train me. Um, I never got invited to the West Side. I wasn't that <laughs> strong, but like, you've trained with in powerlifting and there's particular form that you use. And these people all have like wrecked shoulders, elbows, et cetera. Right. Is it because they're just using the wrong form or they're just trying to get like to the, basically the shortest path of movement to their chest or is it? Yeah. It's I mean, because their, their objective is to move as much weight as possible for one repetition. Right. And so that's where you start to see, and that's what has become the norm for everybody. And so you start to see that. And then you start to see, like, again, simple exercise, like finding the, the, the right tension, your proper mobility. You start to see people, like, if you, if you go back and watch Pumping Iron, one of my favorite movies, and it's a side rant, but it's related, um, you know, and you start to see, I think it's John Franco, John Franco, uh, when he's doing the shoulder present, the guy that played Hulk. I'm horrible with, mm -hmm. with names. I need to stop saying I that. Don't, too, don't worry. I, I, I think I remember the scene you're talking about, but I can't where remember he's, the character. Where he's either. doing the presses, right? And he's going yeah. from eye level up, pop, 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 pop. But, and everybody's like, oh, you know, the full range of motion. And, you know, this is after like basically CrossFit started to come into play and, you know, things like this. But you start to see people coming all the way down. But the reason that he's here is because he's staying in the right tension to build the muscles he wants to build. You know, you see the, the bodybuilders when they're in the gym, and they're doing half reps. That's because they're trying to build muscle. It's a different objective. It's a different goal that they're looking for, but also they're creating awareness in those muscles. And so again, it just depends on what it is that you're looking for. It's not the bench press. It's how you're doing the bench press and striking your shoulders. You know, all exercises are great in their own means. You just need to understand what it is that you want out of it. 
And so that's that's where we need to start having the conversation is that there's no good or bad exercise, just like with diet, right? Like, I mean, a donut diet, probably not the best, but there is no there is no good or bad here. It's just how are you applying it and does it apply towards what you want? And, and, and I think that that's where we really need to make the shift in fitness is being able to understand that, you know, 99% of us don't want to be at Westside, <laughs> 99.9%, you know what I mean? And 99.9% of us don't want to be in a powerlifting meet. Most of us, I would say the majority want to have healthy shoulders, sexy looking pecs, you know, and, and the ability to, you know, for me, it's like, I want to be able to throw my son over my shoulders, you know, and like have him and, and, and be able to move around freely. And so I think that the, the biggest misconception that we have in fitness is that as personal trainers or as the people that we aspire to train, the reason that we get inspired to train is by the 1%, right? So Joko and uh, Rollins and, you know, all these guys that are doing phenomenal things and you get inspired and you want to do this stuff, but you're, that's not really what you want. Like, yeah, I've been in fitness, uh, you know, it's been 14 years, 15 years now. I'm just now starting to understand what I want and I understand where I went wrong, left and right, left and right. Right. One was for business only. One was because I, I thought I wanted to become this CrossFit, you know, top level athlete you know, powerlifting. And I started to realize like, and this, this came in the, you know, especially being here, I was like, what happened to me having fun? Like, that's why I started CrossFit. Right. And, and, and I love CrossFit. And I'll, I'll say this over and over again. I love CrossFit for what it is like the root root of it is, which is functional fitness done at high intensity, uh, you know, constantly varied, but the best part and the thing that, that, that coach Glassman said, and if you guys don't know about CrossFit, Go look at the root. Go look at the beginning videos of CrossFit from 2001 to 2003. They're gorgeous, right? Um, like, go play new sports. Yeah. You know, and again, talking about anxiety, we start yeah, the to pyramid, find... right? Like yeah. And I think at the top, it was like do new sports specific. Well, no, the yeah. top was sports specific. But okay. now we yeah. all only do sports specific. Like, we started running to get in shape. And because we enjoyed being outside and now it becomes, I need to run a marathon and I need to run a marathon faster. What happened to the, let's go enjoy the outdoors. Let's go, you know, let's go try new things. Why do you want to be healthier? Let's start with that. And there will be those crazy people that are like, I want to be healthier to do marathons and awesome. But outside of that, what happens after the marathons? Like where's your family? Where's your, you know, the rest of your life in this, in this discipline? And so, you know, for me, it's like, I, I came to realization when I was here, cause my wife's always asked me like, what is it that you're training for? Like, I don't see you doing powerlifting anymore or CrossFit or, you know, running or, and, and so for me, it was like, what the fuck am I training for? I'm like, I want to be good looking, but the problem is that I look at myself in the mirror every morning. I'm like, dude, I'm fucking sexy. You know, which I think is also like <laughs> self-confidence is not an issue here. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Which I also think is, is, is a, is a different subject, but I think it's very important to look at yourself in the morning and create self-acceptance. But, you know, I'm like, I feel like I'm extremely good looking all the time. Um, what am I training for? And I was like, I miss just being able to ha have somebody go, Hey, you want to go try and do this crazy race? And I'll be like, yeah, let's go do it. You want to go like right now I'm, I'm setting up next week. I'm going to go jump in the water with whales and go free diving with them. I'm like, you know, if I'm fat out of shape, if I'm, you know, and it doesn't even be fat, but if I'm just out of shape and I can't have lung capacity and, you know, I'm not going to be able to do that. So my, my reason for health is so that I can do super cool things, but so that when my kids start to grow up, I can show them how to do super cool things. Like, that's why we're in this beautiful world for the outdoors are beautiful. And even if you don't like the outdoors, like the indoor activities that we can do are so much fun. Right. So like, that's my reason for health. It's not so that I can go do a competition, but it's so that I can surpass my own limitations. So I have the Barracuda 90 and that might have to be a different podcast and I'll, I'll share with that with you, but I've been really working on this, like you know, I've been, I kind of leveled off and, and went off in a different direction. And now I'm coming back and, you know, I see all these challenges of creating discipline and, you know, becoming a high performer. And I'm like, what about just creating balance? 
Can we just start with balance? Like, why do we need to go to one extreme of full discipline and endurance and survival? And, you know, like, can't we just have fucking balance? And so I, I did this. I've been doing this now for the last, since, since January I started and I've really kind of evolved the system, but I'm in my second month now. And the second month is do something that scares you, right? When was the last time you did something that scared you? That cost you anxiety, right? And so for me, like you have my rock climbing accident. So I just, um, I, I was like, fuck, like it's been 12 years since my accident, 14 years since my accident, 14 years um, this past January. And I was like, I've never gone mountaineering again. Like I, I, try, I went hiking here and there, but I never went back to mountaineering. Why? Right. I, I talk about breaking plateaus, about, you know, overcoming PTSD. And when I first started climbing, I got caught mid pitch in, in the rock climbing wall in a cliff. Um, we were on our second, on our second pitch and I froze completely like full blown. Like that's when I really understood PTSD because everything was safe. Like we were, it wasn't difficult, but there were some shaly rocks and I froze where I couldn't move. And so we, uh, we had to lose gear. We, we down climbed, uh, but completely, completely froze. Um, and I never went back to it and I'm like, you know, and, and I've gone so far to just stay comfortable. And so I started doing cardio again. I started pushing and, and, you know, bringing my cardio level up and my, my lung capacity and CO2 tolerance up. And I'm like, I'm going to do shit that scares me and excites me at the same time. Right. Not scares me shitless, but you know, that, that, that I can change the narrative. And so one of them is I love like from my balcony here, I can see the whales jumping every morning. I'm like, I want to hug a whale, but it's not enough to me just saying it, right? Like it's cool to just say it passively, but no, I really want to go. I'm not going to actually hug a whale, but I want to be in presence of something so much larger than me. Right. And so I was like, why am I not doing it? Like what's stopping me? And I'm tired of having these limitations of just not of creating these excuses and just letting time go by without me doing shit in my bucket list. And so that's part of the Barracuda 90s. Like, First month is get your shit together. Where has you, where have you led your life, led you astray that now you're too busy for everything that you've always wanted to do when you were 10 years old, right? So can we bring back balance, right? Whether it's family, whether it's work, whether it's obsessions with something, whether it's fear of everything, social anxiety is like, let's get our shit together, right? Whether it's becoming more present, whether it's becoming less present, whatever it is, let's get our shit together the first month. Second month, let's go do something that scares us. What, what has been your blockade? I talk about facing fears and all this stuff and breaking PTSD and, you know, like overcoming all this shit. And yet I haven't gone back up on a mountain. What the fuck? So I'm like, I'm going to go do it. So March 2nd, I'm flying. March 5th, I'm going to be at the top of the mountain. Right. And so, you know, and then after that, it's like, okay, let's create balance. Let's remember where these parameters are so that we can keep going forward. But it all starts with movement, you know? And so, and, and so again, they all start to relate. I don't know where I, where I went off on this tangent, but that's no, it's beautiful. <laughs> uh, dude, we're going to have another conversation on the Barracuda 90. I need to unpack yeah. because with, with you, I, I remember sitting at a, a table in the Jordan with you and you were tossing around this, this term, uh, movement ayahuasca. Yeah. And I was like, dude, like whoever does your branding is incredible, right? Because it's a great SEO term. It's very, very trendy right now. Right. Um, I myself have done the actual compound itself, DMT, uh, in a different version. But I want to spend a moment with you understanding movement ayahuasca. Am I going to have tea with Richard and then go puke my brains out? Or is it a different type of experience? It's um it's a very different type of experience. So I for me. First, let's get into the genesis of it because I just remember when the term came up and I was like, wow, that is on point for where we are right now as a society. Right. But talk to me a little bit about how that term came up. I had a client. The first time that came about is I had a client of mine. I was playing around with the emotional mapping and behaviors with movement and such. Um, and I was doing some really cool and fun things. And I had a client that did ayahuasca to help him overcome Lyme disease. Uh, so again, I'm all for, if you guys want to do ayahuasca and everything, fuck yeah, let's, you know, chase it. I think it's a, it's a, it's a. At my place next weekend. Yeah, right. <laughs> let's do it. Um, but it's, um, we finished the training session and he had broken down crying. Um, and he said it felt more powerful than the ayahuasca 
uh, session that he had done. And I was mm-hmm. like, movement ayahuasca. I, I love it. And I, it, it stuck around kind of like, you know, the Barracuda way, like it stuck around. I tried building it and I wasn't sure how to have it. And again, I think this, this 2021 and 2022, you're seeing two years of being stuck indoors and people really starting to go like, we got to do shit that we've wanted to do. And I was like, I'm going to build it. Like I love working with people in a very emotional, spiritual, true, authentic level. Right. And I think authentic is now being extremely in the true you and the true self is being overused. But I want to be able to connect with Boomer. I don't want the the super ego and the ego wall to kind of be there. I want to connect with you. And I know I can get you there through movement. And, um, you know, if you're wanting to go there. So that's kind of where the term came about is I, I, I literally just started playing around with with what this guy had said, my client had said, and I was like, movement ayahuasca, I really enjoy it. And then summer of last year, I was with my brother and he goes, that's just genius. And I was like, my brother's, you know, extremely smart and he has a great way of, of viewing the world. He goes, what you say, he's like branding wise and everything. And I was like, I don't care about any of that shit. I just really want to work and help people. Um, and, and he's like, well, then why don't you start it? And I was like, well, why don't I start? He's like, well, first thing you got to do is brand it. And so that's, I was like, well, fuck it. And so I went home and I bought the copyright for it. And I made sure that everything is done, you know, to protect the brand. Um, and I just kind of started building it out. And thankfully my wife is the type A personality, as I mentioned earlier, and she really was able to bring the structure together. So she, she's, you know, and, and I, you know, she's the one that is able to streamline my fucking, my forest of thoughts, because I get this forest of thoughts until I have boomer in front of me. And now it's like, I'm here with you and nothing else matters except for me and you, and let's get you there. Um, and so that's where movement ayahuasca came from. It's an experience that, you know, can vary from three days, you know, from one day to three days as with you, like one session, but I really started to see the turnaround in three days. So three to four days is perfect where I have an intake of the client. We have a conversation and then from there, I start to set certain parameters to your training. Um, it doesn't require high skill level of movement or training or exercise knowledge or body. Um, I basically guide you. And what I really enjoyed about it and what I see out of it is DMT and MDMA allows you to you know, kind of bring the walls down. But with the ayahuasca, can you explain your experience? It's unique, right? You can explain and you can describe your visions, but they still don't make sense. It's your own personal experience. And that's the same thing with movement ayahuasca, but movement. It's movement-based. With DMT and with mushrooms and all these things, it opens up kind of like this new universe where you're kind of sort of multidimensional um, and you don't have much control of the doors you're opening or not, right? Yeah. There, are, there is some control with some people. Some people don't have control. So with movement ayahuasca, you have the control of the doors that you're opening and the doors that you choose not to open. Or what I see it as, the body doesn't think your narrative brain is strong enough to handle right now. So there's a little bit more control in that sense as to how far you want to go or not go. And again, understanding for me where the displacement, centralized displacements of tension and where that kind of centralized pain comes in when we're doing certain exercises uh, and we have our chats afterwards, I can go, okay, so I, I, I do some release therapy as well. So I'll do some manual therapy and then I'll, I'll start to create tension in, in right muscle groups. Uh, but it gives you the captaincy. You get to decide where the body needs to go. And, and, and the, I, did, I just did one here in Mexico. And, and the coolest thing that I saw out of it is people that were coming for very specialized, you know, kind of direct route of things, they walked away with a completely different outlook on life um, and, and absolutely different lessons that they were expecting. But there was a lot of resolution that happened in those three days. So for me, it's, it's, it's putting you in, a, in the driver's seat um, and really allowing you to kind of navigate your way through your past and through your future and, and kind of see what needs to change in your, in your life, right. For you to perform better, for you to have more empathy for yourself or for others, for you to be more stern, more, you know, have more confidence be able to handle confrontation better, 
whatever those things may be, uh, you're in the driver's seat and there's an actual blueprint forward, right? So leaving the, the movement ayahuasca, um, I give them a kind of three-month plan of, okay, so these are the muscles that we really need to be working on. I showed you the exercises through the movement ayahuasca. This is a breathing technique, and I have an entire journal that, that we hand out that gives them kind of the parameters, the guidelines as to how to, how to keep progressing. Um, and the Barracuda 90 is now going to be a part of it because all of them that were in the movement ayahuasca did it, and they're all just loving it. So that'll be also a part of it. So it's, it's a way for you to do the DMT trip. But then it's like, okay, so what do we do afterwards? That's not such a, you know, spiritual kind of pure emotional way of working through your issues, but what are the actual actionable movement and, you know, progressive way forward? What is, what is an actual action you can do now to change your behavior for the future that you saw within movement ayahuasca? Beautiful. And so it's, it's, so, a very, so it's like the experience plus the integration as well. Exactly. And so you tell people how to, rather than, and this has been a common complaint of mine, particularly about the psychedelic realm is that people sometimes just go out and blow themselves up, particularly in Mexico, Costa Rica and those types of places. Right. And then they come back to the world and it's like, Oh shit, what do I do now? My whole yeah. world has been turned upside down. Well, you may, um, using your analogy earlier or what actually happens is going through this super ego and the ego, you may have that kind of experience, but you're providing the integration elements as well. Right. Yeah. Because, awesome. you know, and, and again, this is, I, I may be completely off on this, but, and my perception of it is, you know, I see a lot of these therapies being done, but then afterwards it's more cognitive uh, reconciliation. It's more just let's talk about your problems and let's just keep talking about it without actionable pieces forward, without, you know, the cognitive brain can, can understand and can accept things much faster, but the brain, the body needs to express the anger and frustrations that have blockades for you to have that acceptance. So even though the brain has created acceptance, the body has not expressed the energy that has been blocked inside of you. And so it's, it's that actionable piece that I think is missing. So, you know, for me, it's, again, I'm all for the psychedelics. And I think that, that it's, it's a great place to start or a great place to finish. Uh, again, with, with everybody that you talked about ayahuasca, for whatever reason, that they always say that the ayahuasca speaks to you. For me, is I want to be, now it could be a movement ayahuasca, right? Bam. Um, but it's, it's, it's a way for you to have an actionable piece forward. So yeah. it's not, let's just keep talking about it or let's just create acceptance without ever expressing the anger. I have a lot of clients that have suffered from massive traumas that have truly never expressed the anger physically to what happened, right? Because you can't go and beat up the abuser. You can't go and, you know, how do you express anger towards that rock, towards my rock climbing accident? Like what, you know, like take a sledgehammer to the rocks. I mean, that is a way forward, but you know what I mean? Like there needs to be a proper, there's a, there's a certain, I would say series of movements that I do with movement ayahuasca that allows that true expression to happen. And if, and, and you know, if, if it's not happening, I will tell you there's certain blockades that you need to go through because sometimes people are very, very disconnected and it takes me two to three months to allow them to, like I said, connect to that. So as like women that have come from abuse to be able to actually go like, it's amazing how, much the body will not allow that vibration to happen. It'll be a whimper or a slight hum. And so there's, there's a lot of pieces and moving pieces that are, that are happening. And so for me, movement ayahuasca is unconventional fitness that allows you to have an actual plan forward, but to heal mentally, physically, and emotionally in, in shortened terms. All right, Richard, I know I'm coming up on your time and you've been very generous with this. If people want to learn more about the Barracuda Way, the Barracuda 90, Movement Ayahuasca, where can I send them? Because I know this is going to go out in March twenty twenty-two, And so we want to know where they can find you because you're gallivanting all around the world right now. I can't yeah. even track you down. <laughs> so um, where can we get you? Instagram is Rare Barracuda. If you go on movementayahuasca.com and then I have the Barracuda Way are the two websites. 
Movement Ayahuasca will have all my retreats that are coming up. And, you know, I always do, I have private retreats as well. So if you have a group of executives, you have a, a team that wants to come together and have the experience, we can always set that up. Uh, the Barracuda way is where I have movement simplified. So I'm taking passionate coaches or passionate movement enthusiasts from the beginning as to what is the primal function of the muscle all the way to the emotional side of muscles and how to better connect with them, how to move them, how to find the range of motion, all of that. That'll all be under the barracudaway.com. Beautiful. Well, I know you're in sunny Mexico right now. It's Can't beautiful. wait to welcome you back to Amsterdam. Yeah. I think I, I owe you a better barbecue this time. So uh, I love it. You know, I look forward to to doing that come April when you're back here. So perfect. Good awesome, catching up, man. my friend. Thank you, Boomer. Have a good one. And thank you guys for listening. You guys get a little taste today of the conversations that I get to have with Richard all the time. I'm very fortunate to have people like this on my phone where I can say, hey, this is fucked up today. What do I need to do to fix it? And Richard always comes through. Sometimes he comes through in very, very brutal workouts, but it's a lot of fun too. The show notes for this one, again, are at decodingsuperhuman.com slash Richard. Richard.